Good morning, Identity Church. I hope you all had a great week. You know, this has been one of those weeks where I think everybody's been busy. Everybody's had just crazy stuff going on. You know, I, I will tell you this, uh, you know, sort of a, a, a public service announcement, if you will. We heard one of our friends, they had their purse stolen here at the Alabaster Walmart uh, marketplace. The, the big Walmart. Okay. Well, I'm just going to tell you that, you know, we're living in times where people are going to become desperate. I mean, we already had desperate people. We already had people who had issues. We had people who've been criminals. But the thing is, is that we're going to live in a time where it's going to become more and more prevalent and I'm not saying this to scare you. What I'm saying is that you need to be prepared. You know, I'm a cybersecurity guy, so I'm sitting here saying, hey, I can, I, I'm going to give you a little tip this morning, okay? The, the tip is that purse right there, my wife has this big purse. I mean, every lady here has a big purse. My aunt has a big rollator with a bunch of stuff in it. Do you know that at the end of the day, you probably don't need all the stuff in that purse to go into the store, okay? No, you don't. <laughs> and so this is the thing. And people living on, listening on live stream, get something very small and put all your credit cards and things like that in it and you put it in your your pocket or I know some of the ladies that they don't carry pockets so they put it in other places right whatever you put it in that's what you you need to have something that you can take your purse throw all that stuff into the back of your car in your trunk whatever and then you carry this and you're not a target and you can just put your gun on your I, I can you put your gun in your pocket, okay? Anyway, put it on your leg, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we need to prepare spiritually for things, but we also need to prepare physically. You know that if you, if you live your life out there and you look like a target, you're going to be a target. You're going to be a target spiritually. You're going to be a target physically. You know that that's one of the reasons why we need to prepare the way we see ourselves. We need to actually think about where we're going and what we're doing. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a, a, a Abinell. He's the guy that did Catch Me If You Can. Frank Abinell. He, I was at a, a cybersecurity conference and he told me, we were all sitting in this room. There was about 12 of us that was listening to him. And we, I'd, I'd signed up for this, like, it was a smaller group to talk to him. And he's going through, you know, this is what he does for his living now after going to jail for basically swindling people out of millions and millions of dollars. But he came back and he said the only thing that he could find that always worked was that People did not plan. He said, people didn't plan. He said, you would go into the middle. I mean, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, how many people open doors for people? It's great to open doors for people. 
But, you know, I, I typically, when I open doors for people, I'm looking at them. I, I'm, you know, face to face. I, I want to say hello to them. Well, there's a couple reasons why I do that. I'm trying to be nice. This is the South, okay? But the other piece of this is, is that I want to know what they look like in case they did something bad. You know, Frank Abinell said that he would go in and people didn't remember what he looked like. Because they would say hey to him, they would do something, they would forget who he was. They just knew it was a man. Sometimes, I mean, he wasn't a very big man either. So, you know, he'd go, oh, he was six foot three. Well, they, they thought because he stole from me, he had to be a big menacing type of person. You may be thinking, Dusty, are we about to have a physical and cybersecurity conference? Maybe. I don't know. But I do want to preface everything that I'm about to say with the vision that we need to be able to see what's going on around us. It is important for us to plan when we go to the store. How spiritual is it that Dusty's talking about going to the store and looking for you know, don't carry your purse in, don't do all this stuff. No, it's, it's beneficial. I don't have to be super spiritual in order to be able to help you out. You know, 99.9% of cybersecurity incidences that happen is because somebody said, I'm clicking that link. Do you know Why? Because we now live in a society where everybody's got cybersecurity junk all over their phones, all over their... I mean, it's there. The only thing that we do is we give power through authority. There's some spiritual stuff in that too. Do you know that when I get an email and it says, nuclear war has already happened in Ukraine. I got one just the other day. And I went, the nuclear war has already happened in Ukraine. Delete. No, I went out to the internet and I said, nuclear war. Because what if it had happened? See, we have to understand that we protect ourselves by doing some physical stuff, but being spiritually aware. The Holy Spirit will go, eh, don't do that. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit right in here? It, it was like somebody, somebody pulled something right behind your navel. It goes, oh, don't do that. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit is trying to keep you from clicking on links. But he also wants to protect you and your family. You know what? If you become a target, it doesn't matter. They're going to target you, whether they get your purse, whether they get your stuff, whether whatever. You become a target. But you become less of a target and when you're not a target, they go find somebody else that's willing to do something stupid. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Man, I just got off into some really heavy stuff, right? But see, what I want you to understand is that God wants you to be spiritually aware. He wants you to see where you're going. He wants to protect your family. This friend of ours had their daughter with them. How, how much of a, you know, how detrimental could this be to a young person that's been in the middle of a crime? Now, I don't fault anybody who's, who's been in a crime. 
It's the criminal that's the, the problem. I'm not, I'm not advocating that, well, you, you become, you know, you, you give the, the criminal the opportunity that makes it your fault. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that you can keep yourself in perfect peace if you're led by the Holy Spirit. If you're led by those things which God is trying to tell you and not what the world's trying to tell you. See, most of the time, and I believe that this happened this morning, it was a haste type situation. Hey, I'm going somewhere. I've got to go meet some people. I'm going to run in here right quick. I'm just going to throw my purse in the middle of the the buggy and I'm going to do this. Well, you know, Heather always does this thing where she clasps her purse into the, the little baby seat thing. Well, you know what? If we're going in for five seconds or we're going in for, you know, one hour, Heather clicks the thing in. Now, let, let, me, let me just bring this back to the spiritual side and get back into where we're talking about our vision. You know that when we start talking about how we have a vision, those words that we have inside of our vision, those, those mean something. In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Habakkuk 2.2 2 and it says, Habakkuk 2.2 2 says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write a vision and make it plain upon tablets. You don't have to go get you some granite tablets. You can actually take pieces of paper. That'll be fine. That he may, that he may run who reads it. The vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it surely comes. It will not tarry. Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. This Hebrew word right here for vision, it means a sight mentally. It means that I I mentally make a sight. In fact, we were talking about this a little bit Right after praise and worship, you know, if I told you right now to tell me about all the, the, the doors in your house, how many doors do you have in your house? Well, everybody would close their eyes and they would go through and they would count the doors. They would walk through the house. Do you know that we need to walk through our vision? See, running with the vision doesn't mean I just pick it up and I physically run around. Woohoo! No, it means I see it and I walk it and I run it in here. Did everybody understand that? I feel like there's a, there's a moment that this needs to happen. You need to run your vision in here. Now, will it always look exactly like it's supposed to? I mean, I got news for you. When I first started talking about this church and doing this church and we were talking about it, I didn't see things the way that it is today. But you know what? In my mind, I took that vision and I went over and over and over and over about what we would do, how we would do it, when we would do it. Do you know that that vision just kept running around inside of me? Mentally, I saw it. It became a revelation. It became something that I was able to put into you. You know that the moment I started putting it into you, I still remember a couple of years ago, dad was, dad was at uh, uh, Westwood. Me and him were sitting there and I said, yeah, I said, the Lord's really, you know, telling me about, com- you know, coming down here and starting a church. And dad said, okay. And, you know, and I didn't ask him to come to the church or anything like that. He told me, he said, hey, I'm probably going to stay at my church. I was like, hey, that's good. That's fine. 
But you know what? The more we got to talking about it, the more I started putting the vision into more and more people. The more and more people said, hey, I'm, I'm going to give this thing a shot. Do you know that I say that because I want everybody to understand that you don't make decisions. Most people don't make decisions based upon just a whim. Okay? You don't go buy a car based upon a whim. You don't buy a house based upon a whim. Some people say, well, yeah, I just, I walked straight into a Harley dealership and I took out my credit card and I bought it. There was a guy I worked with years ago and he was a professional baseball player before he became a sales site technician at Southern Lane. And he was, he was making decent money. Well, he had an American Express card. He walked into a Harley dealership. He laid it down and said, I want that motorcycle right there. Well, did he just happen upon the the Harley dealership and, and, walk, and go, man, I, I bumped into it. I, I'm blind. Oh, I went in there and, oh, I touched the motorcycle and uh, I, here's my card. No. He was riding down the road for a long, long time going, you know what, if I, if I had enough money, I'd buy that Harley. If I had enough money, I would go and do whatever. And you know what? One day he just decided to do it. But he had a vision. Now, was it the right vision? No. Because the American Express card that he put it on there, he either had to pay it off that month or it was like astronomical. And he said it about broke him. Do you know that that in our own lives, we don't just happen upon things. A seed is planted in your heart. You get a mental vision for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, I got to have that thing. I mean, I still remember the first time we went and bought a car. I mean, Heather and I are talking about, we need a car, we need a car, we need a car. And I remember we went, I was looking through the paper. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, there's this 1996 Ford Thunderbird. Dad remembers because he went over there and he looked at it with me. It was not designed for me and my family, okay? It was a two-door, all right? But I, I saw that one, and I saw a couple of sedans, and I saw these other things, but I got it in my head because there was a picture of it, and I saw that car, and my vision started running wild. Woo, we're going to have a Thunderbird. It's going to be awesome. Do you know that that was an okay car? But it wasn't the car for us. I still remember when Kaylee came along, I was the only one that could actually put her in the back seat. Do you know that your vision and the way you see yourself is how you're going to run your life? Because if you allow that vision to run wild on the inside of you, you will move heaven and earth to make that happen. Which vision do you see? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. A God vision will change your perspective. Now I want everybody right now stick your thumb up like this. All right? I want you to put it about three inches away from your eye. And I want you to close the other eye. Now I want you to look at me with the thumb over it. All right. How many people can see me now? Okay. You're, you're too far away. Get your perspective closer. 
Okay, how many people can see me? Nobody. Okay, let me ask you a question. You put your thumb down. Your thumb is now bigger than me, right? Y'all are carrying around, you're dragging your thumb around. Is that, not, is that not true? It's not true, but you didn't see me. Your thumb completely covered me up. Why is your thumb not bigger than, than me? Perspective. Do you know that your perspective will change how you see your world? Do you know that in ways there are people that are walking around every single day that believe things about themselves and believe things about other people because somebody or themselves saw something differently? How many people's heard this? You know, the first impression is the best impression. Everybody should have heard that one because you live, you live by that most of the time. I was, I was, you know, there are restaurants I don't go to because I had one bad meal the very first time. Do you know that, that in our society, in our way of life, in our way of thinking, we can see somebody differently? What if I was joking around one morning, we had a, we had somebody come in that was a visitor and I might've said something that triggered them. And I didn't mean to, I didn't, I didn't expect to do that, but you know, I was, everybody else thought it was fine, but they were like, oh, I just don't like that guy. You know, I could have said everything that was in the word of God perfectly. And there's going to be people that's going to have a different perspective of me. Well, guess what? That happens all the time to us. We see people, we, we act certain ways around people and people see us certain ways. Well, guess what? From a spiritual perspective, that also happens. What if I was praying about something and it didn't happen? Changes your perspective. You start getting cessationalist um, teachings. Oh, that all passed away with John. How many people's had people that have told you, Hey, you know what? That all passed away with John. I, I have, which I probably have more conversations about this with people than, than y'all do. But I will tell you that I have lived in my world and I've had people go, well, God does not heal people anymore. I've, lit, I've been around people that says God doesn't even work in our lives anymore. Heaven is the next big thing. You're just trying to figure it out and you're hoping God's going to get you there. Well, you know, your perspective is either given to you by someone or it's given to you by what you see. You know, because I can literally remember when I was a kid and I tell this story all the time because my grandfather loved to mess with me. You know, he would tell me stuff about, you know, Adam and Eve or, or whatever. I thought men had less ribs because we gave one of them to the woman, right? But your perspective is something that, that sometimes it doesn't matter. Well, you know, it's, it's like these people who think the world is flat. Well, they've been told something. They've never seen the world. If you ever go up in an airplane very high and you start looking, you see the, cur- the curvature of the earth. 
Well, do you know that at the end of all this, does it really matter if somebody believes that the world is flat versus they think it's, it's curved? No, it's not going to change their life in one, in one way. Seriously, I, I had a discussion with somebody about the Big Bang one time. And it was like, it was like they were like, oh, the, the Big Bang, it happened, we know it. And I was like, we know it? I was like, you, you've actually went to the center of the universe and you found where the Big Bang happened and, and all this stuff happened. You know it without a shadow of that. Well, no, I've not done that, but there's some really smart people that told us about it. How, how do you gauge if somebody's smart? See, what is your vision needs to be based upon what you believe truth is. See, God, in his infinite wisdom, decided to give us a book. It's called the Bible. You know what? He also gave us the Holy Spirit, which says, I am here to teach you all things that pertain to life and to those things which you have been told by me. Do you know that at the end of all this, we need to understand that our vision, if it's a God vision, it's going to change your perspective. If you believe God, then he is going to change the way you see some stuff. If you don't believe God, then you're, you're going to follow a vision of the other guy. We're going to see something in the Bible. I think a lot of times people don't take it this way. They, they see it as just a story. But this is not just a story. This is a teaching moment that, that basically almost destroyed the children of Israel. In fact, in Numbers 13, and by all means, go back and, and reread all, all of Numbers 13, 14, 15, because it is amazing to see that your vision and your perspective is all based upon what you see and what you hear from people. See, God's perspective told the children of Israel that the land was ready. Now, by the time we got to Numbers 13 here, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They had roamed in the desert for 40 years because they basically, that one generation that was there, they were being just, I don't know, they, they saw all the plagues, they saw the the waters part, they saw everything, but they still couldn't trust God. So God was like, hey, I'm not taking them into the, the land of milk and honey because they will destroy everything that I've tried to create. So, but see, what we have to understand is by the time we get to Numbers 13, there, you know, it's been 40 years. And in that 40-year time, all of those people who were the leaders before and that were the elders, they all passed on. These people right here, they were, they were a little bit more fresh. They were ready to listen to God. So in Numbers 13, 1, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses. i got to slow down. Slow down, Dusty. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Cana which I give to the children of Israel for each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So God is saying, go send people who are leaders. They're, they're not just the average Joe. These people are leaders. They, 
they have wisdom. They have, they have the ability to see things differently because they're leaders. You know, as a leader, I, and years ago, I was actually, you know, as a part of Southern, uh, Southern Company, they put me through leadership training. You know, when you're, when you're an individual contributor, you worry about your job. And you think your job is the most important, by the way. But if you ever go through leadership training, you start having to worry about somebody else's job, especially when you got four and five and six and 10 and 12 people, and you start looking at all of what they're doing, you start realizing that this is more of a team sport than it is a one-on-one sport. And see, these are the kind of things that God wanted out of these people who were going to go into Cana. Is that he wanted them to see that this was going to be for the children of Israel and not for themselves alone. And it says here, I'm going to skip through because there was a whole bunch of stuff where it tells you all the people who went. But in Numbers 13, 23, it says, then they came to a valley of Eshoel, and there, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole, and they brought back some pomegranates and figs. So they went into the camp, to the land of Cana. They found that this land is awesome. It grows grapes like we've never seen. It grows fruit. It's awesome. They put on a pole between two people and carried back into the children of Israel all of this fruit. Now, this should have been a testament. This should have been one of those things where people were like, Woo! We're going to go away from eating like, you know, manna and, and you know, like little bitty birds and all this other stuff. We're going to go into a land where we get fruit and we get I mean, just the good of the land, meat. We're going to have awesome feasts. That didn't work out too well for them. Because in Numbers 13, 27 through 28, so all of these guys come back. There's 12 of them. They've been through there. And it says, and they told him, they said, we went into the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this, and this is it, the fruit Nevertheless, people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That was the descendants of the giants. These people were big. These people were huge, strong. Well, I mean, most of the children of Israel, if you go and look at people in Israel nowadays, we'll just take that for an example. They're all like five foot three. So think about it. You got a five foot three somebody, even if they were my size, six foot three, six foot four, I would be a giant to them, especially if that's all they saw all their lives. But see, Caleb, not my Caleb, but Caleb back in the Bible, Caleb in verse 30 says, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You know why? Because the more they talked about it and didn't see it, the more people were starting to get scared. They were changing 
what God's perspective was for the land, they were starting to change it over to where the land is now good. Do you know that in our, our own lives, we do this all the time. We make decisions not based upon whether or not something is, you know, something is good for me. We go and we ask people all the time. I mean, how many people, I mean, I do this. I go read reviews on stuff, right? I go read all the, the top five, you know, the five stars. I read all the ones. And then I go into the middle. You know, the ones in the middle are usually the truth. If everything's a five star or everything's a one star, that's people who are either really angry at it or it's a bunch of people they paid to go and, and write stuff as a review. But if I go and I read in the middle, I start getting the truth. Oh, well, you know, it's a great product, but it breaks, you know, after six months. Well, you know, the same thing happened to them. Oh, it's a great land. Look at the fruit we brought back. But there's giants and they're pretty big and they're fortified and, and they, you know, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. Well, guess what happens? You start changing your opinion. Well, that's not as good as what God said it was. Do you know that in everything in your life, you're going to have to fight for it? I, I want to say that again. You're going to have to do something for it. If you didn't do anything for, if you didn't do anything for your vision, I, I got news for you. ADD dyslexia, when I got a vision of I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, that's when the fight came. Because I started going to school. I started doing things. And guess what? I failed a couple of times. But you know what? The Lord said, keep going. Keep going. God didn't say that, it was, that he was going to make it easy. He said he was just going to get you through the trial. Do you know that there are times where we need to go buck up, buttercup. Everybody go, buck up, buttercup. Everybody out there say, buck up, buttercup. You know what? If you are not bucking up and doing the thing that you know that you're supposed to, you'll sit out. You will. If, you don't, if, you're not, if you're not doing the thing that you know that you're supposed to do, if you're like, well, I'm just not going to start now. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to school. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going go to go to these, uh, I've got friends' parties or I've got, uh, you know, family parties. Well, if, you're, if one of your goals in life is to have a better relationship with your family if, if a goal in your life is to have a better relationship with the people in your life if your goal is to change your perspective and every opportunity that you have to change your perspective you go and sit down at the house then you're gonna you're just gonna stay at the house your perspective is gonna stay the same you're always gonna go fight the things that you've always fought and by the way, you're shadow boxing because most of the time you're doing it to yourself. You're not actually having an, an actual fight. It's that valley of the shadow of death mentality that I keep talking about. You keep going through the valley. There is no death. It's the possibility to have death. 
This is not a works-based mentality for faith. You got saved by grace through faith because you just believed. But I'm going to tell you, everything after that, and that's where I think people get really messed up, is that they, they swap all of that around. You know that you don't have to do anything other than believe in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And I don't know why, I just I feel like I have to say that. This is not a workspace mentality. This is changing your mind. You can be saved and stuck and you go straight to heaven. Awesome. But you ain't going to have very much life. Can I get an amen or an oh me? I, I'm, I'm good with either one, okay? All right, because this is the problem. We don't do the things that we're supposed to do after we got saved. What we do is we we go, well, there's giants in the land. In Psalms, there says it says a fool says that there's a line in the street. All that means is I'm not going outside because there could be something that gets me. There's the boogeyman. Well, the Bible says that's a foolish way of thinking. Is that I'm just not going to go out. Like I just told everybody about, about going to the store. Go to the store. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid to go to the store. Go to the store. But also protect yourself. Do you know that God's perspective on life is going to get you to the next level, to the next thing? In fact, it says here, in verse, uh, well, okay, let's go to verse 30. It says, And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the very next verse, Numbers 13, uh, 13 31, it says, But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Well, your Yelp review just told you, don't go to that restaurant. You know, when you have two people that come back that says, yeah, it's good, but you're going to have to fight and it's going to be okay. Do you know that I actually went through and studied this out do you know how many battles the children of Israel actually fought between this time? I mean, Jericho, what happened to Jericho? Did they fight in Jericho? How many people knows the story of Jericho? They marched around a city seven times or for seven days. Do you know that when the spies went in to go into Jericho, they went and talked to to uh, the harlot and she she said our hearts when we saw y'all come out of Israel 40 years or Egypt 40 years ago were were stopped because of your numbers and because of your greatness there were 4 million people that went to a city of a couple of hundred thousand you notice they didn't come out to fight they all stayed in the city who went and fought their battle for them? God went and fought the battle. They actually have found the place over there. And this is the crazy thing. And I don't understand how we get, we let 
all the, the archaeologists and all that get by with it, but it, it was pushed down. The wall was pushed down. It didn't fall over. It was a circle. It was pushed down. And they found it. I actually watched a thing on, on where they believe that it was at. And they actually can find most of the wall. And they've dug down 20 feet. God and his angels and Holy Spirit, whoever it was, it was one of them, came down and went, all right, go get the stuff. See, this is the thing that I want you to understand is sometimes our fight is just, I got to get up and go. And then God's going to show me how to do it without actually getting all nicked up and bruised up. You know, they took over most of their lands without fighting battles. By the time they became so rich, they sent out the young men to go out and fight the battles. Do you know that that God gave them the inhabitants and all of the things in the new land of Cana before they actually went in? People were afraid of them. You know why? Because the Spirit of the Lord went and said, you better be afraid of them. You know what? I I truly believe this. I've seen it happen. I've talked to people. I have had this happen to me. I've been in situations where it was really grim. And you know what? I've actually had people go, man, the atmosphere changed. We went, uh, Heather and I were years ago, this is before we got married. I, I think Charlie had some sort of conference up in Nashville and we were driving up there to go meet them. And, um, we had decided we were going to go down to where the river walk was. Well, there was all these people breaking into cars. You remember that? And I mean, they were just, I mean, that we literally walked down to the river and came back. And I didn't know what kind of area it was or anything. And I just remember going up there and there's these kids and they're actually breaking into cars. We see them. And they're probably about as far as from here to the, you know, um, well, probably as far as from here to the other buildings that are down here. We come walking up onto the thing, and I knew automatically in my spirit, this is what's happening. We got to get the heck out of here. And you know, the thing is, I just remember telling Heather, don't look back, keep walking. You know, those guys didn't even know we were there. And we had to walk back towards them and go back up this road in order to get to our car. They saw us, but they didn't pay us any attention. Do you know that I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit can intervene in your own life for lots of different things? You can believe this or not. I don't really care. But there was, um, there was a guy at Karis... And he's one of the leaders up there. Him and his wife were were actually in a car with another minister group. And they were up somewhere in North Carolina. It was like one of the mountain areas. And so he goes up there and and they're going to dinner one night. And so he's in the back seat with his wife and said they go up this mountain. And around the curve comes this huge dump truck. And they're in their lane. And all the 
all the lady that was the, the pastor's wife said, Jesus, help. Said the next thing he knew, they were on the other side of them. Now you can believe that or not. But I'll tell you this, I've seen stuff like that. I've talked to people who have had that happen. The thing is, is that they called upon the name of Jesus. Do you know that in, in our vision and the way we see ourselves, I think sometimes we see ourselves as what the children of Israel saw themselves as. And it says here in uh, Numbers 4, uh, 14, 1 through 4, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried uh, to the people and wept that night. And the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in the wilderness. Isn't that a comforting thought? I mean, this was what they said. Oh, it would have been so much better if we just died in Egypt. Or if we just died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Well, heck, they've already talked about how they're going to die. That our wives and our children should become victims. Have you ever heard of a victim mentality? I typically find that victims are victimized. I'm going to say that again. Victims are typically victimized. They're, they're, waiting for, they're waiting for the boogeyman on the other side. They believe it's going to happen to them. And guess what happens? Whatever a believer believes, they can have it. Do you know that when you are victim of something, then you're looking for, oh, my children are going to be hurt, my, my family, my money, my, my friendships, everything. But guess what? If you're a victim of something, and we have this, this mentality is a huge thing in our society. Everybody wants to be a victim. I mean, look at all the groups that want to be a victim. You know, I actually think it's pretty cool that there's all these people, you know, so we have like all of the, the uh, Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff. Back in 2014 when all that came out and everything, I was like, hey, yeah, Black Lives Matter. You know, one of the things that uh, there's a friend of mine, he's a black guy, and he was saying, he said, I'm not into that because I'm not a victim. Because the longer it went, it went through, it doesn't matter what you do. They're never going to get out of their situation according to their doctrine. They're always going to be victims. Well, you've got to have, you got to have something in order to make money on, right? You can't just one day pop out. It's a little bit like Biden said that, oh, COVID's over. Well, then the COVID money now has to go away. Well, now they're trying to scramble and figure out how to get more money. Because Biden actually said that COVID's over. Well, this is the thing. You know, you need a, everybody that is in those positions of victimhood, they need a good issue in order to make their side better. Do you know that every single time 
that we believe that we're victims, that we stand on that victimhood, you'll never see yourself as a victor. You'll always see yourself as a victim because at some point you've got to say, I got to get out of this. See, victimhood means that I never, ever am going to get out of my situation. So these people already had it in their minds. We're going to be victims. Our kids are going to be victims. Our, our families are going to be victims. And it said, it would be better for us to return to Egypt. So they said one to another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. You know, it's like returning to your own vomit. You're going to go back to somewhere where you were a slave. You're going to go back to somewhere where they fed you leeks and garlic. I love leeks and garlic, but I don't want to eat it like 20, you know, three times a day. See, that's, that's the mentality that they had. I would rather be victim than be a victor. Do you see yourself as a victim or victor? I ask this question because there's been plenty of times in my life I've seen myself as a victim. And I had to change my perspective. I had to change and see who does God say that I am? What is my next step? Because if you're a victim all the time, you will never move forward with anything. You will constantly look for victimhood mentalities. Oh, see, that's another reason why I'm a victim. It always happens to me. How many people has heard that from people? Oh, it's always happened to me. Oh, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen to me. Well, you know, I understand some people are just making a joke. You know, that's, that's a ha-ha funny. Oh, if that always happens. So I'm not trying to be word police here. But I will tell you this, that if it is something that you continuously have a conversation about, you might want to check up. That's one of those key indicators that I've got a victimhood mentality going on in my own life. You know what? What you will be is what you see. And I'm going to finish with this. Um, it says in Joshua 14.10, because this is like, this is like years later in, in the book of Joshua. And in Joshua 14.10, and it said, Now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These 45 years since the Lord spoke the word to Moses while Israel was wandering in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. Okay, he's 85 years old. I want that to sink in for just a second. And it says, 85 years old, and yet I'm as strong as the day I was, uh, the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain in which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how... Uh, Amalek were there, the giants. And it says, and these cities were great and fortified. And it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Well, guess what? We know that it happened. 
An 85-year-old man went up and beat a bunch of giant's tails. How about that? How many people want to be able to, to, be able to do that at 85 years old? Yes. Amen. You know that we need to stand for something or we're going to fall for anything. You know that when, when Joshua and Caleb, because right before this, and I didn't put it all in just for, for room, but Caleb went and took another area. Caleb went and got his part of the land. And Joshua said, I want the mountains. I guess he liked places like Gatlinburg better than he did like the beaches. I don't know. But let's just say this. Do you know that Joshua and Caleb were both like 85 years old? And they decided, this is what I'm going to do. They didn't go ask people to go with them. They had a promise from the Lord. 85 years in the making. And you know what they did? They went and took the land. Their perspective had not changed in all of those years. You know, it says... It says, and I shall drive them out as the Lord said. Do you know that God is saying lots of things in his word, but he's also talking to you one-on-one. And he's telling you to do things. And sometimes we go, I don't have the ability to do that, Lord. Okay. Well, then you're not going to do it. And that's okay. But let me just ask you this question. If God comes back, as I'm closing, if God comes back to you today and he was to say, I gave you all of the things that I talked to you about. They were already yours. They were yours and what did you do? You know, I don't want to be standing before the Lord one day and go, Lord, I just wasn't able to accomplish all that stuff that you told me to do. And he goes, yes, you could have done it. All you had to do was just step out there. You know that in every area of your life that God has talked to you about, all you had to do was just step out there. There's some of you that are believing for things in your body. There's some of you that are believing for things in your family. There's some people that are believing things for your finances. It doesn't matter what it is. God has provision for it all. But you have to step out. You have to go, I'm going to live in it. I'm not just going to stand by and just wait for death. I'm I'm going to actually take my steps. Do you know that you can do anything if you trust God? I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, that became my battle cry. It's over the door when you come over here. My sister said, that was your scripture. I'm going to put it up there when we first moved in here. I've got it in our house. You know, even to this day, I wake up some mornings and I go, I can't do all things today. And the Lord goes, yes, you can. And I look myself in the mirror with all the crust and the crud and all the other stuff that goes on with you waking up in the morning. Oh, don't act like it doesn't happen to y'all. 
But I look myself in the mirror and I say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. And today I'm going to get up and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to influence my world and I'm going to get the things done that God has told me about because he has put provision in place for me. God has put provision in place for you. It's going to happen if you step out. It's going to happen if you step out. I'm looking for some amens. It's going to happen if you step out. You know what? Age didn't stop Joshua. People didn't stop Joshua. Giants didn't stop Joshua. Joshua had everything that he needed because God had provided the provision 85 to 40 years before then. It's amazing. It was just waiting for him. In fact, I bet you he went on top of that mountain and I bet those giants said, oh my God, I just saw what they did to all of the inhabitants below us. Get out of here. These guys are supermen. You know that that's all it sometimes takes is for you to go step out and somebody goes, oh my gosh, there's something different about you. You know what's different? Is you're believing God. And if you believe God, then God will put you in a place to be a victor. Amen? Everybody's head bows and bowed and eyes closed. You know, we're about to, to have our fellowship. You know, I, I, want, I want everybody to walk away from today because we had talked about your vision. We had talked about what God wanted, what God wants you to do. And I hope that everybody's been writing those things down. I, I hope that you've been taking the time to be able to listen to the Lord and then write those things down. But if you hadn't, I'm gonna I'm gonna renew that homework. For the people that are watching us on live stream, for the people who are listening to us on podcast. I don't care if it's a month from now, if it's a week from now, or if it's a year from now. If you're listening to to this particular message, I am challenging you. Uh Uh-oh, he's going double dog dare. I'm double dog daring you to go home this week, to take some time, to write down your vision. Make it plain on a piece of paper. Make it plain on your iPad or your iPhone or your LG phone, whatever it is. Take it, put it down. Listen to what the Lord has to say. Because if you do, He's going to show you where to go and how to complete it. So Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person that's at the sound of my voice. Right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you, dear Lord, that you are renewing their vision. You are showing them things that they need to do. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are giving them uh, an opportunity to not only hear it, but also to write it down. If If it's come and they can't remember it, Father, renew that vision. Give them that word again so they can write it down on a piece of paper. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you are just opening up the eyes of their understanding, their vision, their, the way they see in their mind 
is being renewed. Father, I just pray over this fellowship and this food that we're about to receive may nourish our bodies. We ask you to sanctify it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer for anything, I'll be down here at the front. But if not, I'm going to dismiss you to go out to our fellowship. Y'all have a great week. Love you guys.